We read about the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns. I have often thought about the crown of thorns, about the man who actually made the crown, that soldier, who it says he planted a crown out of thorns, specifically for one reason, to mock the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder about that. Why did he do that? Why would he make it? Was it just extra evil in this man's heart that would cause him to do such a thing and plant a crown of thorns to be set upon the lowly brow of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then I often think, you know, what got into the soldiers that particular day? It seems that they were particularly evil with this man. More so than any other. I doubt they did this to all the crucifixion victims. I mean, it was a common thing, crucifying criminals. But this one was different because this man was better than everybody else. I think that's why. Of course, we know biblically it had to happen. This man was better. You know, even Pilate himself said, I find no fault in this man. He said it many times. This man is innocent. He does not deserve what is taking place. Of course, Pilate gave in to their will and allowed Jesus to be crucified. You know, the only accusation they could come up with is he's the king of the Jews. That was it. And actually, they wrote that superscription above his head on the cross, didn't they? The king of the Jews. But you know, evil entered into their hearts. And they stripped Jesus down, it said, in shame, took his own clothes off of him and put upon him a purple robe. You know, kings wear purple. It's a, actually, only, this is a true statement. There's only one person worthy of a purple robe. His name's Jesus Christ. You know why? The blue mixed with the crimson red, turning it into purple, represents the God-man. Heaven coming down and, and becoming a man and taking on blood, the, men, the blood of men. He was the God-man. He's the only one worthy. But see, they did this out of shaming him, not, not because they believed. Actually, they very they proved themselves that they believed not. And then it says they put a crown of thorns upon his head. And they gave him a reed, a little scepter. You know, it wasn't a scepter. It was a reed. It was a stick. And they stuck it in his hand. And they said, Hell, King of the Jews, took that reed out of his head and hit him over the head with it, it says. And then it, it says that they spit upon him. You know, there's nothing more degrading than spitting on someone. Uh, that's about as degrading and most humiliating thing you can try to do to someone is to spit upon them. But they did. They spit upon Jesus Christ and smote him on the head. And I think about that crown of thorns that was on his head. As they smote him over the head, you know, think about this. The Bible says before this, they had beat him with a cat of nine tails. He went through a flogging where he was beaten. We know he was beaten with many, many stripes because the Bible says it, it took away his visage. It really took away his, his uh, you couldn't tell who he was, his appearance. He changed because of the beatings. Now, 
and it was very excessive. Honestly, you know, when a criminal would be tested out and they wanted to go to and examine them, that's the word, because I remember in Acts 22, 24, it says they took Paul, the apostle, and they wanted to examine him by scourging. They beat him to get the truth out of him. They thought if we, if we torture him through beatings enough, he'll come clean and he'll admit some things he's done wrong. Well, Paul had done nothing wrong. Jesus had done nothing wrong. And the only confession he could make is, yes, I am the king of the Jews. But they abused him. They belittled him. They held him in great derision. And I always wonder, I, I go back to it, why the unusual treatment this particular day? Why the extraordinary punishment on this particular prisoner? Well, you know, not only did it, this uh, phrase, he's innocent, be found often, I find no fault in this man. They also, the other phrase was, king came up, the king. Jesus was presented as their king in their accusations. Well, going back to the man who made this crown, I think about that man. I think about him even right now. What's he doing right now? Thinking about why would he take the time to go down to the thorn bush, and they're all over there though, to go and strip the thorn branches and plait a crown. You know, you can't, you can't work with thorns without getting thorned. You can't play around with cactus without getting poked. You can't grab the, the crown, of the, the, uh, the shreds of the thorns and try to read them where the wreath comes from and not get stuck. I mean, he worked to do this. He wanted to do this. It cost him to do this. Can you imagine how he feels right now as he sits where he's at in hell and thinking about why would something like this happen? Well, Jesus was a king. This had to happen. Jesus is a king, and a king wears a crown. Now, I would like for you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to talk about this crown of thorns this morning. Genesis chapter 3, and, the, and it, it wasn't a right for him to wear this. He had to wear it prophetically. It must be done. Genesis chapter 3, this is in the garden. This is after they sinned. This is after man fell. And the curses are put upon. Of course, the curses can become a blessing. But the curses were brought on the woman and on the serpent. And then when he gets to man, he says in verse 17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Uh-oh. Look out. Men. Hey, there's your, there's your uh, men. There's your re excuse for not listening to your wife. That was just extra. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit, uh, the herb of the field. And look what it says. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. It seems that man, before he fell into sin, 
had a lofty position. You know, we don't know what they looked like. The Bible says they were naked and did not know it. I personally think they were clothed with light. But there was some, they were lofty. Adam's place in the garden was to dress and keep the garden, but honestly, he was to rule the garden. The Bible says he had dominion over the garden. It says in Psalm 8, verse 4 and 6, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Adam was placed in that garden with a kingdom. He was king over the kingdom, but he had a God over his head. What an amazing thing. It said he was crowned with glory and honor. And what did Adam do? He traded that crown of glory and honor for a life of suffering, toil, and it even says sweat. He traded the fruit of the garden. I always think about that. You know, the garden of Eden, fruit everywhere. Didn't even have to be, probably didn't have to stretch high or bend low to get his food. It was right there for him. Plucking the fruits off the trees and the herbs of the, that God had made. Oh, but not any longer. Now he'll no longer pluck up to get the fruit. He'll be digging in the dirt from whence he came to get his food and to grow his crops. And he's going to have to overcome the thorns, the thistles, and the weeds to do so. He no longer can pick fruit from above. He's going to eat out of the earth from below. And this was God's plan. So along with all these crops came out what? Thorns, briars. We live in a very thorny area of the world. Just about everything that grows on my property has thorns in it. And some of them you can't see until you get home. Think about this. This signifies man's life on earth. These thorns and these thistles. And what happened that day? It doesn't say it here. But when Adam ate of that fruit and did, and the Bible says, the day that thou eat, thou live, thou shalt surely die, that crown fell from his head. He no longer could wear that crown. There was no longer glory and honor upon him or upon any of his descendants. Thorns will prick him when he goes to work and he'll take them home with him and they will plague him throughout his life. The Bible says thorns can even be in their sides. Sometimes you just don't know where you're picking these up. But thorns represent the cursed earth because of sin and the men who dwell thereon. Notice he said, in the sweat of thy brow. Isn't it interesting when you start working hard men? I haven't done that lately. It's a joke. But when you, start, when you start working hard, what happens? You get a crown to show up across your forehead. And then you, all your hair starts getting sweated right here. And before you know it, you're wearing a crown of sweat, of perspiration. That's where it came from. Right there. The sweat of his brow. That's our crown now. That's the crown we wear. It's only fitting that Christ's prayer in the garden, in the garden of, of Gethsemane, when he's praying so hard. The Bible says he prayed so earnestly that he did what? He bled sweat and great drops of blood. Sweat and great drops of blood came out of his brow, with, along with the tears. That's where you get the term, blood, sweat, and tears. 
came through Christ. He had to go through this because of what the, the curse on the earth. Jesus wore that crown. You know, think about it that day. He wore our crown that day. That plaited crown of thorns was meant for you and I. Can you imagine what it must have been like to wear that throughout the whole crucifixion process and what he went through? Because it's true. Jesus is king over all the earth. We knew that. Jesus is king of the Jews. We know that. And he came to bear our curse. So those men who mocked Jesus Christ that day and pressed the crown upon his head and pressed it upon his head and it yielded more blood along with the tears and along with the sweat. It will never see him as the true king that he really is. They're not going to see it. But we will when he's crowned king of kings and lord of lords. He had a crown upon him that day. It was our crown. That's what I call it. The day that he wore our crown. I call it that. That ugly vision that you have of him seated. He wasn't seated. He was hung to a cross. Dying on that old tree. Bleeding. Bloody. Shameful. They had stripped him again. Trading a heavenly crown and a throne to come to earth to suffer for the sins of man, to become the object of the wrath of God, to become sin itself, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He would actually become sin that day. And he had to wear our crown. How amazing is that? Oh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. But we see something else. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. I forget the name of the bush, but when I was in Israel in 1983, they pulled me over the side and showed me a thorn bush. And they said, this is most likely what they used to plant the crown of thorns on Christ. And they were lengthy thorns. They weren't, they weren't small thorn bushes. These, these, these thorns were about an inch and a half long, I'd say. Uh, that they used to place upon his head. But look here in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. How interesting that the verses right before that are a requote re of Psalm chapter 8, what I read earlier, about man being made lower than the angels. And what is, the man, what is man that thou even visitest him? And the son of man. Why? And it says... God crowned him with glory and honor, but he lost it all. Now look at verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. He became one of us. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. He wore our crown that day. He tasted death, it says, for every man. You know, he didn't just taste death. He tasted death for every one of us. Yes, 
He wore that crown of thorns. Stretched out upon the cross, he could not remove the crown from off his head. His hands were tied. His hands were staked to the cross itself. It remained on him as many came by and mocked and ridiculed and jeered, cast horrible names at him and, and actually slurs toward our Savior. But it's interesting though. You know, what this is telling us here, that while all this is happening to Jesus physically on the cross, that there's another crown there he's wearing. He's not just wearing a crown of thorns. He says he's wearing this crown that Adam lost. Glory and honor. He was wearing it. You, if you were to look really hard that day, you could see him wearing another crown. Bringing and returning the honor back to humanity. He regained the dominion. It just says up there in verse Eight, the one before it, that God put all things under his feet. He, a man, will sit, King of kings and Lord of lords, over all the universe. He is our great God. He is our king. He reclaimed the right to rule the earth. So Jesus wore our crown willingly that day. Tasting death, breaking the curse. Jesus removed the curse of our disobedience. And he made it possible for us to live in paradise. Think about it. He made us fit for heaven. He made us worthy to live with God and serve him forever and ever. That's why it says there, we just read it, he's bringing many sons into glory. That's us. But he had to, do, he had to wear your crown upon his head that day now, how do you become a son? How do you become one of these? It says in John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So number one, you receive him. Receive Jesus as who the Bible says that he is. Will you do that today? Receive him. Believe on him, it says, Acts 31. As 1631 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. What is he saying? Believe, doesn't say believe in Jesus. Believe on him. Put your rest, your trust, your eternity on him. Believing. Because you've received him as Lord and Savior. And you trust his sacrifice for you. That he tasted death. For you personally. That he wore the crown of thorns that overcome the curse on this earth and on men. For you personally. And you shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a simple call. Once you believe, you shall be saved. If you see him on that cross for you and then believe the very best you can. That's faith. Believe in it by the eye of faith. And then go out and serve him faithfully the rest of your life. Now let me say something. This is, this is so interesting. Jesus wore our crown so we could wear his. Did you know there's crowns? And I have time to show it to you. We're going to look at it. Do you know there's crowns available for you in heaven if you will fulfill your end of the deal? If you will get serious and faithful in your service for God... 
The Bible says you have crowns that you can earn. And God promises them to us. And I want to show them to you right now. Here they are in case you'd like to have one someday. You know you can have one? You say, hey, I, if you believe on Jesus as your Savior, and you know you're saved, and you believe on that, and you settled it, you're going to believe on Him to, to uh, grab these crowns? Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. He wore our crown so that we could one day wear His. 2 Timothy 4, and this is Apostle Paul speaking. In verse 8, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me, what? A crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Paul's getting him a crown of righteousness. He knew it. But look at this. He said, not me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. You believe that? There's a crown of glory waiting for you if you'll just long for Jesus to come back and desire for it. It has to be from your heart. You have to want it. I am looking for Jesus Christ to return. This is called a crown of righteousness. That's what it says. A crown of righteousness. For loving Jesus' return, for desiring Him to come back. And you get to see your faith become sight. Turn over to James chapter 1. Now that's for anybody that wants it. God has a crown for you. James, that's toward the back, chapter 5, or chapter 1, chapter 1. And verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Here's a, here's a crown. If you'll love him, a crown of life to those that love him. And how do you prove your love? You resist temptation. And you're faithful unto him. And you don't quit on him. You know, I will say, they quit me. You don't ever quit on Christ if you want a crown of life. Placed upon your head at the great judgment day. You know, it's for anybody. Blessed is that man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised. So this is an amazing thing. Here's your one. Did you know that even die, you, you have to do this all the way to death? Because it says in Revelation 2 verse 10, this is the martyrs, those who were killed for the name of Christ, and did not give up. They endured temptation all the way to death. says they get a crown of life. You don't have to die for Christ to have a crown of life. You have to live for Him and love Him. This is all for us. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think what the Lord's looking for is somebody say, I believe this enough to make it focal point of my life. I believe it. That's called faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look what it says in verse 24. Paul's talking about running a race. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. You know, these people going for the Olympic gold, it's corruptible. Not going to last. 
It's not going to get, it really doesn't do much for them except lift them up with pride. Well, if you'll serve him faithfully, that's why Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beat at the air. He doesn't shadow box, he boxes. He runs the race. Why? He wants a crown of incorruption. A crown of incorruption. What is that crown? It's going to endure forever because you faithfully ran your race for God on this earth. And, what, and he actually says, you got control of your body to do so. You took mastery over yourself and followed Christ. And God said, if you'll do this, I will give you an incorruptible crown that will never be taken away. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's right after James. We look at the, at the next crown that can be obtained by God's people. These are, these are crowns that are promised. This is the crown of glory. It's the crown of glory. All right, now what it says here in verse 1, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. This is talking to leaders of the church. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when a chief shepherd shall appear, notice all these come with him when he returns. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So we have a crown of glory right before us. You say, well, that's all. That's for preachers and ministers. No, that, that's, honestly, that is very true. But it's for all those that are faithful in ministry. Anyone who takes the ministry of God faithful, whether you're a layman, whether you're a laywoman, or a preacher, this is for all being faithful in the service of God. This is a crown for anyone. It says it, and it will never fade away. This is so beautiful. One last one. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 19. This is the last of them. This is the crown of rejoicing. So you got the crown of righteousness, the crown of life. The crown of incorruption, the crown of glory, and then the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 19, it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. This is for being instrumental in leading other people to Christ. For helping other people come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says he that wins souls is wise. Now we know why. Because there's a crown waiting for you. It's so interesting because when you when you winning someone to the Lord or even being helping someone come to the Lord, you're going to receive a crown, but they're your crown. Just seeing them in heaven is enough. I mean, what an amazing thing. Christ offers these 
wonderful opportunities to his people who will reach out by faith and take them. Now let me say something. Christ could never be a true king to the world. They have tyrants, they have emperors, they have dictators. They are not true kings. But Christ cannot be a king to them. They'd have to be forced to bow, like it says in Philippians 2. But no love that comes with it. The only bowing they'll do is force or lip service and mockery. But I want to say something here because I want to finish the message. We're looking at a lot of verses, but I like this is a great message because of the truth about Christ in it. So we find that Jesus took our crown of thorns. He wore our crown that day and a crown of suffering. He offers us crowns. Now look, let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. We'll look at some verses in the last book of the Bible. Revelation in chapter 4. You get to wear His crowns. For us, who know He's our King, who have believed, we get to have the glory of crowns when they're handed out to the faithful and we will receive His crowns for us. But when we see God on His throne, boy, you think about this. When you literally, or when you get to heaven and, and we see Him, look what it says is going to happen. In Revelation 4, 9, it says, When those beasts, those are the four beasts that are in heaven, the cherubim, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat upon the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, the op this is a scene opened in heaven when we all get there after the judgment seat of Christ. And you, and you see Him. That's God seated on His throne. The easy impulse, just an impulse, it's in, is to take your crowns as you want and throw them at the feet of God. Because He's the only one worthy to wear a crown. Anyway, it says they will cast their crowns before the throne. Look at chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This is amazing how many angels God made. You'll see them in heaven. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength. And honor and glory. It's all about Christ. Worthy is the Lamb that wore our crown and was slain. And it says every creature in heaven and earth will be saying this also along with us. The Lamb will be worshipped and will fall, will fall before Him. How wonderful this is. And then look at chapter 19. So when Jesus does come back to earth to rule, in chapter 19, in verse 11, chapter 19, 11, it says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Uh-oh, look at this. He, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. His clothes with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called 
the Word of God. This is Jesus Christ. And the armies which followed Him, they were also on white horses, the Bible says. It says that in verse 16, His name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What, what, what crowns are He wearing? Is He possibly wearing our crowns that He gave to us and we cast them back to the Father and the Father placed them on the Son? Because the Bible says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. So all these crowns will be placed upon him. The crowned one will be wearing our crowns once again. But these are crowns of glory. These are crowns that were his anyway. The one who wore the crown of thorns will be wearing that royal diadem that they mocked him about that day. And how many crowns will be for our glorious king? Crown him with many crowns. Crown him with all the crowns. He's the only one worthy of wearing it. Wouldn't you like to have some crowns to cast at him that day? Let's bow our heads. I want to ask you some questions. You know, what can you learn from this? Let's all go to prayer. Just bow your heads. How can we best respond? <clears throat> to the truths that we've seen in His Word today. Well, accept Him as King. As many as received Him. Receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. This is between you and God. One-on-one, -on -one, you and the Lord. Believe on Him and receive Him. What does that mean? Just the best I can, I'm going to believe on Jesus. He is the Savior, the one and only for me. Then you're going to go out. You're going to live. You're going to live according to what we just read. And let him produce crowns in you so that he can wear them at his return. Faithful, loyal to him. A beautiful life for Christ. A beautiful life for Christ. Fulfilling his word and his will within you. And then it all comes back around and everything is fitly and perfect and timely and pristine. And Christ is all in all. And we're following Him. And we're one of His. He brought us to glory. He's the captain of our salvation. He wears our crowns. Oh my, the rewards He'll give us though. The, the, the rewards He'll give to the faithful. Will you be faithful to Him today and earn these promised crowns? Maybe start realizing it's more important than I realize for me to be faithful, for me to be a soul winner, for me to get a hold of my body and endure, for me to overcome temptation, for me to expect and love His return. It's much more important than, than I thought. I, this is, there's a lot at stake here. This is my one-on-one -on -one -on -one interaction with the God of heaven, him and me. Will you allow him to live and produce crowns in you? And anybody here today, anyone that say, I have never been saved. I have never seen 
that Christ died on that cross for me and me alone and made it personal. We know the whole world says they believe. You say, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. When, when all these things that we just read happen, I'm not going to be there. Oh, but I sure want to go. I want to be a part of the great throne room of heaven and the throngs and the crowds of heaven. One that belongs there. I want to belong in heaven. I want to be there. But I just don't know how. Would you be honest? with? No one's looking but me. Would you just be honest and say, that's me. I don't know. Oh, but I want. Will you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Just me and you, no one else. And God looking. Is there anyone here today say, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven? Anybody? All right. Think about it. What a wonderful God we have that provide a salvation such as this. The day he wore my crown.